Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Welcome to and welcome to my independence report. This is and this is <laughs> this this is Eric. You're you're incorrigible, young man. This is this is the lunch club, and it features three outstanding people. First of all, I'd like to because uh, she's got some a great story and some even better news. So Kayla May is with us. Yay. And and Matt Shea is also with us. Say hello with everybody, Matt. And of course, we've got uh I don't know who we've got with a blind man with the hat, please. No, it's Elton John. <laughs> and that is the lunch club, ladies and gentlemen. And it's a two-hour um extravaganza. That we do once a week, and uh, we talk about various important things of the day. And today, um, I, I was touched by something that happened just a couple of nights ago, and um, we're going to have Kayla May talk about it because and tell us this story because it it is not only dynamic about who she is, but it's it's quite frankly a hell of a story. And she she um, texts me. A couple of nights ago and said i'm crying and i've got a terrible thing and i had a there was an accident and and she got went into it but i want you to go into it today kayla may what what happened on the way back from the family reunion on sunday i came across a extremely bad motorcycle accident and this man was probably going about 80 to 100 and rear-ended this whole minivan and there was a family in it father mother two children and i stopped um traffic in the fast lane because i you know you see people there was probably about 20 cars so this had just happened in front of me there was nobody on the scene nothing and i stopped traffic to ask if everybody was okay i didn't get a response well next thing i know the guy that was on the bike that rear-ended or like went into the back of the van comes walking up to me completely covered and head to toe in blood and i asked him if he was okay and he goes no and and i go do you want help he said yes i turn parked my car on the opposite side of the freeway parked my car with my kids in it told my son who's 10 to stay in the car with his sister and i'll be right back as soon as i could run across to this man check him out to see you know where he's bleeding from where he's injured from i notice he's bleeding from both of his wrists in a really bad spot on his neck i then run back to my car across the freeway open it up grab my car seat covers and run back over and i wrap his arms as tight as i could and then he's telling me he's getting dizzy. So then we walk over to the back of my car. I then find my first aid kit and I'm applying pressure to his neck wounds for at least 10 to 15 minutes until the ambulance got there. 
And then the ambulance came, and what did they say to you? They said not really much of anything. You know, I kind of was like, here's where all of his wounds were. Check him out. Um, and, I mean, that was kind of, that was it. They escorted him, applying, you know, where I had my pressure already applying, and walked him to the ambulance. And that was the last time I'd ever heard from him or the ambulance people for that fact. First of all, in comments, uh, uh, Matt, Eric? Well, I'm curious, during that time, and nobody stopped and helped, people were just driving by, right? Yep. Everybody was driving by. They had to see me. I was covered visibly head to toe in blood as well as this man. His blood mm. was pouring all over me, and I walked across the main freeway, and nobody bothered to stop. Wow. This is the Kayla we know. I, what you just described, that's how the world knows you, Kayla. It's why we love and respect you so much. You made yeah. a difference. I, I sure know, hope I did. You oh, did absolutely. because you set an example for everybody, people who watched it, everybody. You changed lives for the better, how you involved yourself with that incident. And your kids saw that and they'd learned and someday they'll do the same thing, you yeah, know, and that's I what it takes. Because, you know, quite frankly, I think we, we've got blinders on. You know, absolutely. It's so easy. It's so easy just to be out there and see stuff that Kayla's done and ignore it because we've got these layers on that just uh, separate us from the issues. And it's the learned response. We learn from young kids. It's embedded in our language. It's embedded in our behaviors that we can only engage so much with the general public. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Matt, but I want Matt. You look great today, man. I'd love it, <laughs> Kayla. You're beautiful. You know, this is how we go around. We say how you doing, and it doesn't really mean how you doing, man. You know, it's hello, it's a greeting, it's a passing sentence, it's a throwaway thing. It that's a inadequate buffer for people to reach out to each other. And what Kayla went through is uh, a daily occurrence. We, we see it out there, Kevin. Is yeah, I know you and I and Matt. We've all got stories that are very similar <laughs> to this. I've I've helped people die before, as people walk by, and it's horrific as people step over. I've had people tell me, "Well, I'm in the act of doing something for somebody. It's none of your business. We've got to get somewhere." I just want to point out that when you look at it, what Kayla did, and now she pulled up behind this accident. She was in the left lane. She she then got out of her car to look and see. She saw the man was injured. She took her car across the highway to the other side, ran back, right? Yeah, I, I don't know why. I, I stopped traffic at least five times. And these days and, you're a hero, Kayla. And nobody... Nobody, they, they saw this young girl holding her hand to a man's neck who was bloody. She was bloody, walked across the front of their car, and nobody had the intestinal fortitude to stop. Matt, go ahead. Kayla, I think the four of us would be in agreement. It was a point in time where you had a calling. You were meant to be there, and it played out. You caught the ball. I'm trying to say you were to be there because Kayla was going to handle it the way Kayla handles things. Do you know what was interesting about that? Tell us about the keys. 
I lost my car keys leaving Whidbey Island at my Aunt Kathy's. And I was looking for them as I was sitting in. I had the kids all buckled up, ready to go. I go back in my aunt's house, do a full circle, go back outside and everything. And I said, I come back outside because I didn't find them. And I slapped my hands together and I said, God damn it, Uncle Mike. And I go, this isn't funny. Knock it off and give me my keys back. And I go to my car and on my driver's seat, here they are. And there was no way I was in a dress. I would have felt my keys wiggling frantically, throwing my purse around looking for it. I would have found them. I would have felt them, <laughs> you know, and I sure, sure they are right there. Which caused her to be delayed 10 minutes. So yeah, at least five to 10 minutes. Yep. So if she wasn't delayed, she would have been past the scene of the accident before it happened. And it was, I believe, by, and Matt, I think you're absolutely right, by divine intention, they delayed you so that you would come to the accident at that moment so that you could, because they knew what you would do. And that man needed help. He was, he was, his uh, artery in his neck was oh uh, severed and, and he was, he was literally bleeding out, Matt. Jesus. The addition to the Wednesday Lunch Club, we still have life to this story. It's ongoing. The entire world is now reliving it, how Kayla did it. You lead by example. Actions are better than words. The whole world is benefiting from this. You joined us, and this is what comes with you. It's win, 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 win for eternity. No, I'm not, I don't want to be a winner. I, I want people to realize that that's a reality. That's an instinct. That was a motherly instinct. Let's put it that way. Because that I was a winner's been, instinct. All the I same imagine, category. Yeah. I imagine that being my child. And if that was my child, what would somebody please do this for my kid? <clears throat> I beg for somebody, if that was my child right then and there to do the same thing. Male or female, it doesn't matter. You have an instinct in you. So grow a pair, pull over, and do what's right because that's humanity. And that brings us to the uh, uh, subject matter for today, which is man's inhumanity to man and how, and Eric has seen this a lot. I've seen it a lot. I've got stories of, of people that are completely uh, oblivious to the pain and suffering of others. <laughs> I've got, I have, Eric, I'm sure you have got as many stories as I do about, about a bus full of people and nobody does anything when somebody appears to be in distress. It's common. It's common to sit there and ignore it. I don't know if people are waiting for somebody else to step up or if we live in such a litigious society, by God, if I get involved, I'm going to get sued. It's fear. Because that happens too. That happens too. You get involved with the wrong people, you try to help them out, you can end up getting sued. Mm -hmm. You know, and like uh, if if that guy's neck uh, was bleeding out and you're holding on to it and you're trying to stop the bleeding and his neck was already at uh, risk and because you were squeezing it and it broke and, you know, he may have, if he was a certain type of person, he may have tried to hold you responsible. That's what people are thinking. You wouldn't think that um, because you'd step in and, and do the best you can for people. But there's people out there that, that they think of those things. And there's people that are 
uh, victims that would uh, capitalize on a situation and make some money because that's the opportunity. And in their mind, it goes to it's just the insurance companies that are going to pay it out. It's not the individual. So there's that buffer, too, that takes us away a little bit from responsibility. I also think a lot of it has to do with fear in this generation. You don't know who's holding a knife, who's holding a gun, who's got mace, who can use what for a weapon at any point in time. You don't know if it's road rage. You don't know if it was something that happened. And there's people that fear being one of those bystanders that if you do stop, then you're going to be held accountable for it. But there is also being a good Samaritan and an act of of kind-heartedness, a good deed. Those need right. to come back around. It's called karma. Because sometimes <laughs> a lot of people get it and it bites them real quick in the butt. And karma can be good and it can be bad. Yes, it can. So all it out. Yes, it can. I, I wholeheartedly believe in karma. You know, I think it's an actual thing out there. I think uh, we've talked about... Uh, uh, past lives and lessons that we're here to learn and that sort of thing. And I think uh, karma is a big part of that. I agree. That's why we have to learn things. That's the mechanism that kicks it all off. And anyway. Here well, we here's the other weird thing about this, though, is two weeks before this event had happened, I was sitting in a salt room with my mother and on our way home from Mount Vernon, I told my mom, I go, I really feel like I'm going to save someone's life. And I feel like it's going to happen soon. <clears throat> and Sunday, I, I was, I did it. I, you know, I never thought in a million years my gut instinct, uh, such a feeling so strong would have actually <clears throat> come to reality. A frightful reality for sure. I don't even know how I thought. I felt like I had eight hands in that moment, but it's just one of those. <laughs> Matt, go ahead. Yes. Um, you had a red alert, a spiritual one, and you were poised and you caught the ball. I remember in grade school, we had Sister Margaret and she's what I would call a cool nun. She could talk about UFOs and stuff like that. And this is back in the late 1960s. One day she devoted class time to a newspaper article. It was a good man who decided for whatever reason to take a different scenic route home, just for whatever reason on an impulse. And he ended up seeing people crowded looking at a pond. There's a car upside down. When did this happen? They said now he swam underneath and saved every life in that car and now what brought me here what is it something gave him a compulsion it's as if he was the kayla of that region we just need one kayla we have one let's get that kayla in striking distance and now it's game time yeah i felt like i was a medic i felt like i was an emt doctor i felt like i was a first responder at that point in time it was so and like every horror movie, every criminal investigator thing, you know, Criminal Minds, NCIS, Snapped, all the stuff that I watched, it literally felt like it came to reality. It was a horror movie right in front of my face. And apparently she was doing such a good job. Tell us about the motorcycles that stopped. 
Well, the motorcycle, so there was about six other individuals um, on motorcycles that had heard the accident. Like they were on that long anacortis stretch, like they were probably showing off, doing their thing. So the guy that ran into the back of the van, he was a lonesome driver. Well, I had a moment when I was holding him on the back of my car and I looked behind me like, why is nobody stopping? Because I was frantic trying to open my um first aid kit and i was like why is nobody stopping like i i I can't i'm not a doctor i can't do this myself and one of the motorcyclists that was standing at me and the guy he goes but you are doing it you're doing it just fine you're you're doing what needs to be done until the people get here and then that kind of like whoa snapped my like oh i'm gonna start freaking out and crying moment like it snapped me back into a reality to where, okay, I really need to like squeeze his head like it's going to fall off type thing <laughs> because I was panicked. And I then, panicked. <laughs> and then picture, if you will, a lady with a gentleman sitting on the back bumper of her car. He's got blood from head to toe. She's got blood from head to toe. She is holding his neck so he won't bleed out. And across the highway comes a man who was driving the van who decided to start yelling at the man that was blood from head to toe. And Kayla, being who Kayla is, where she is my spiritual badass warrior, said, Kayla. Don, this isn't the time and the place. I, I had to over yell at him at that point in time because he was in a panic I went into a panic when I was in a wreck with my kids in the car. Like it was, I'm going to kick your ass right now. These are my kids. I have to protect them. So I knew exactly where he was coming from. So I over yelled him and said, this is not the point in the time. This is not the place. You need to make sure your wife and your kids are okay. Please make sure they're okay. After I had to repeat it a few times, he goes, okay, okay. You know, and then he kind of walked away and that's when we went to my car. So Wow, it, was, it wasn't protecting him and trying to save his life. It was stopping a fight as well and trying to make sure that family was okay. But let alone my kids on the opposite side of the freeway, I needed to get my ass back there because there's traffic still passing. Damn. And so he was going to take the time instead of taking, making sure his wife and his kids were okay and that everybody in the van was doing fine. He thought he would go kick a guy's ass who was already bleeding to death. I think that's just a wonderful uh, display of bullshit, quite frankly. But that's sometimes, sometimes they get in that fight or flight freak out moment and i completely understand where that father was coming from but at the same time it was out of line and it was not the time nor place to do that you can find him when he's healed up somewhere along the line down the road but at this point in time when he's visibly covered in blood from head to toe don't come near me don't come near him because my hands are working <laughs> and my voice can only yell so loud on a freeway Oh, I'm sure that you 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 were plenty loud. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> I guarantee I was too. <laughs> you got your you got your mommy voice out, and and that was the that was the end of that. That was the, yeah, big mom. And then and then come to find out though, maybe why I went into such protective mother mode was I was pregnant and didn't know it and found out the day after. 
That was a wild 24 hours you had. Pregnant. (laughs) And didn't even know it. So it was a, it was instinct. It was all just get, go, 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 go. I I can't even explain it. But if it ever happened again, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Do you you sleep at night? (laughs) Not last night. No. I mean, like, when you go to sleep, I mean, do you, does your mind like, Shut down. Peace. No, I'd love to I see like an ERG that. on your life, you know, because it's. What is it so much? <laughs> yeah. Man, you live a lot of life, man. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Is your is your hair naturally purple? Is that what happens to people that <laughs> happens to you know? What you happens know, that happen to live a life like that? Purple. Yeah. I mean, you could be a Marvel. You could be you know in the Marvel universe. They could do a. Uh, a spinoff on you. I was. I. Just, I think more people should be aware of incidents. And if you have a strong gut feeling that something may happen, go with that. That's all I have to say. Because I had that two weeks before it really happened, and that was a strong intuition, strong gut feeling, an instinct. Like I already knew it was coming, but I didn't know it was coming. So there was nobody, but there, nobody would say, nobody stop. Now, now I paint a picture again. There is debris all over the road. Yep. So in order for people to continue on, they had to swerve around the debris. Then they had to swerve around the lady that with the guy with the, that was bleeding as he, as she took him across the highway and, and people swerved and nobody stopped to, I don't know, maybe uh, help control traffic to let people know what was coming up on them. And and to and to try, tell everybody to slow down, and nobody did they any of that, did they? Well, the six bicyclists that did stop though, because um, they heard the wreck, they were ahead of him, but they stopped, pulled over, and ran back. They were the ones that I had originally asked if everyone was okay. Was one of those six bike riders, and that's when I saw the the bloody bike rider coming up towards me. And oh, okay. I knew he wasn't okay when I looked at him. I just had the dumb idea to ask him if he was okay. <laughs> so, well, I I applaud you, and it's awesome what you did. It's awesome what you did. And I Good tried looking it up in the newspaper and in in the articles and stuff like that for online police reports. I haven't found anything. There was no fatality that was reported. So, I I'm assuming he survived. And he probably survived because of you. Well, I sure hope the valley did. Kayla, you say bike. Are you talking about motorcycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he was going, he was trying to, we think, and what Kayla said is she thinks that he, he was trying to catch up to the other six bikes. Mm-hmm. And because uh, they were playing games on the highway and he wasn't paying attention. And the traffic was slowing down in front of him. And so he, and it didn't look like there was any um, skid marks on the road or anything. So he just plowed. Not, not God, skid mark at all. So he nice. just plowed directly into the van. He probably, what he probably tried to do is skirt around it. And he was going too fast and, and wasn't able to. Yeah, yeah. So he ran. And he, he shoved the back end of the van into the first row of seats, right? just about to the oh wall. So you've got the three row seats. It was all the way up to the second second mm-hmm. row to where his 
children were. Yeah. Oh man. That's How old was this person approximately? I would honestly say he was um mid twenties, early thirties. And when you're mid twenties, you still think you're indestructible, riding a bike, a motorcycle, and all of that. Yeah. So and so anyway, I wanted to discuss with you guys, um, man's. Uh, well, first of all, let's make this a more positive thing. Can any of you tell me a story of somebody that helped you um, in through a situation where they didn't have to at all, Matt? You remember Coach Dan Reeves? Of course. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. used to be a Denver. Dallas Cowboy running back. And true to the Tom Landry culture, he was heavily involved with local community projects, volunteered youth, everything. And Dan Reeves, when he was coaching Denver, what it said on the door to his office, it said, you can tell a lot about a man who does something for someone who can't do anything in return. That's 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 true. That's true. That's a good thing. So, Eric, have you have you had somebody that it impressed you in your life so much that they did something great for you without seeking anything in return? Num numerous, but I'd like to tell about an anonymous, anonymous, uh, yeah, somebody I didn't know, an anonymous person. You sounded like, uh, who was it, uh, Mr. Magoo right there? Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I kind of look like him. It's quite odd. <laughs> so <laughs> I was riding. This is back when I was riding bikes. I was, just, I was on my first century ride with a bicycle. I was on a, a century ride with a buddy of mine. It was the first one. We are going over to Vantage. And if you guys are unfamiliar with Vantage, it, uh, it's over the pass. And there's a nice river, this great little charming town. And it's a perfect place to just take your bike after 100 miles and ride right into the river and cool off. And my buddy had uh, bikes for quite a long time. And he was in really good shape. And uh, he was kind enough to hang with me for, you know, the 93 miles uh, that it took us to get to the top of the mountain before Vantage. And... We were at the top of the mountain. We could see Vantage seven miles down below because it was all downhill. So I'm done at this point. But all I have to do is sit on my bicycle seat and let gravity take its course. So it's going to be a wonderful ride, right? And Don says, uh, going to be okay? And I said, oh, yeah. You know, this is going to be terrific. And Donald's got all of the tools for the bikes and all that stuff with him. And so he takes off. We take off down the road. And he wants to hit the you know he wants to go 40 50 miles an hour down this uh, down this road so he goes zipping down and i'm letting gravity take its course so i'm picking up speed it's starting at about a half a mile an hour and i'm i'm good up to about three miles an hour and in about a 150 feet my <clears throat> rear tire goes flat oh, and i yell for don i said die you know and there's no way he can hear me because he's you know three and a half miles down the road at this point so I'm done. I can hardly walk at this point. I get off my bike with the flat tire and I just sort of start stumbling down, trying to, you know, take the bike and, and walk with it. And this guy pulls over. He's got this small economy hatchback. And he says, uh, he pulls over. He says, looks like your tire's flat, man. And I said, yeah. 
you know, it's uh, my first, it's my first ride and we're going to go to Vantage and, you know, this happened right here. My buddy's got all the tools and he says, well, that sucks. And he rolls up the window <laughs> and he gets out the other side, but he gets out the other side, he opens up his hatchback and he says, you know, come on in, man, let's load up your bike and we'll take you down. So we arrived at just about the same time Don got there and he was already in the river and I was standing there with, you know, my bike and a flat tire. So this guy, you know, and my bike, you know, with the grease on the, the sprock and the chain and all that, left a skid mark on on the carpeting on his uh, car. I felt horrible about this. I said, oh, man, I'm so sorry I left this mark on you. Give me your phone number. He said, look at my car. You know, it's a beater. Don't even worry about it. And so he, just a great, nice guy, just saw you know a stupid idiot you know walking his bike with a flat tire had a little bit of fun with me and then uh we had a nice conversation for the next uh, couple of miles it was wonderful matt two stories here kjr when they had the expo in spokane had a bike ride from lake sammamish to uh high bridge park in spokane and so my brother paul and i were on that. It was a caravan, about five miles, over 600 bikers. So we went down Vantage, and we saw one guy lose it, slide, everything, but he ended up okay. He was at the campfire with everyone. But just speaking of the devil, I went down that myself, and we were probably <laughs> going 50 because cars were slowly passing us, wanting to do the high five, and then some would hand a can of beer to one of the bike riders, oh, like it's line, nice. a brass ring. You know, just do that because you're going 50 plus, it's 110 out. But what happened to me is my small town USA affection. I was driving up north years ago. I was on I-5 and I was approaching a town for the Lake McMurray exit. And so we're in the vicinity of um, Mount Vernon, just approaching there. My alternator went out of this cheap escort, and as I was coasting on the freeway and pulling over, a group of locals in a pickup truck shadowed me, did the same thing, and, ah, it looks like you lost the electrical, they could tell. Before my car came to a complete stop, they were already behind me, and on the fly, they got me in their truck, took me to the local gas station, I called a friend, but they were good old boys just there for us, somebody stranded on the road. Awesome. awesome. That's a that's a great story. Kayla, do you have one of something that somebody did something great for you and wanted nothing? Uh-oh. The only thing that is popping into my head right now, and I think it's my stepdad, Billy, wanting me to pick on my mother. And that's nothing <laughs> to do with the vehicle or anything. <laughs> but we were, we were at a party. And my mom decided instead of going into the house that she was going to take a pee outside by an electric <laughs> Oh, good move. <laughs> good move. <laughs> so I imagine there was a little bit of alcohol involved in this party. <laughs> and I'm like, I think 16, 17 years old. Here comes my stepdad. Because he was out there with us. <laughs> Mom, what Mom does is just lean back like that. And she does. <laughs> Bless his heart, though. He, he's so skinny like a twig. He picked my mom up. <laughs> it was a good deed. I felt like we needed something really funny, and apparently well, he did, too. Was she done peeing when he picked her up? 
That's now, a dedicated mask. Yeah, that's a good command. I would have waited until she was finished. <laughs> I'm going to help her. You're going to have to finish there. <laughs> but she, she was shaking so badly. <laughs> that, uh, I think she learned the lesson. <laughs> yeah, the electric fence worked just fine. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the, the side of the cow barn where the bull was, so it had to work really good. <laughs> oh, I wish oh. I had a funny one. I don't have a funny one, but I do have one. Um, when I was nine years old, and I had just, I was did some acting and stuff, and I was sitting in the car with my mom, and uh, first of all, my dad worked for Nordstrom, so he worked six days a week and was working all the time. And so we were talking about, did I want to turn out for baseball, or did I want to uh, uh, go and apply or go and audition for this movie? It was uh, uh, David and Goliath. It was a Christian production, so they wanted a bunch of kids who were smaller so they could make Goliath look bigger. And um, so I had to make that decision, and I decided, well, I'm going to go play baseball. And I got picked by a team that the guy that his name is Scotty Reed, and uh, he had more of an impact on my life than any other human that has ever existed because when I was nine, my dad was real busy. He didn't have time to play catch with me. He didn't have time to do anything. And Scotty Reed was a coach of the little league team, but he didn't have any kids on the team, which is very rare. He did it just because he wanted to be, he wanted to give back and he wanted to work with the youth. And he was an incredible man and a great coach. I got to be with him for three years and he taught me a great, a great bunch about life and how, how to be a man and how to take care of uh, what you got to take care of. And he was just, he was an incredible human being. And I, uh, he was more of a, I hate to say this, but my dad's passed now, and he knows. Uh, he was more of a father to me than my own father was. Um, we, we, he would pick us up. Uh, just a second, Matt. I'm not done yet. He, he would pick us up in his old jalopy. And in those days, seatbelts weren't the thing. So he would pick us up in a, in a convertible old jalopy, and then we would sit on the back. Have you ever sat on the back of the, uh, of the, of the convertible on the, where the, where the, uh, your feet are on the back seat and your, and there were four kids sitting on the thing is on the, basically wow. on the, on the back, um, um, wow. back of the car. And, and we all went down and, and had a great time. And, uh, um, I, I believe that he, that man was, he was responsible for me to be there. He would be my friend today, except he was also a window washer. Oh, and he, no. he was working on a window and he, he, a fifth, uh, fifth floor window popped out two years after uh, I had aged out of little league and he fell to his death. Oh, Jesus. And it was, yeah, but he was, he was mm -hmm. there for all of the kids that he helped and and it was amazing what what he did um so he was he was my the angel in my life uh matt go ahead my best college friend passed away about 20 some years ago and before he did he was telling all of us he's going somewhere and we're trying to figure it out and then when he had his accident that's what he was saying it was like his spiritual connection well, at his services, I was sitting next to his dad, and his dad said, out with it, Matt. How come my boy could talk to you about all sorts of things that he wouldn't share with me? 
And I said, Fred, you stole my line. My dad and your son, Joe, could rattle on about all sorts of things and I could only be audience. And we were just talking about that dad position and then these friends who are like a dad and we achieved an understanding. You see what I'm saying? You got peanut butter in my chocolate. You got chocolate my peanut butter. Your buddy and your dad lived the highest level they could for what they were assigned for. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Eric, got another one? Oh, man. You know, when we talk about teachers and coaches, that's a, that's a different area of kindness that uh, is like a parent. You know, it is like a parent because as much as we love our parents and our parents, we know love us. Uh, sometimes that uh, communication just isn't there for not lack of trying. It just doesn't happen to be there. And coaches, uh, teachers can fill that in. It's a, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And boy, I've been lucky to have, you know, multiples of teachers and, and so forth that have had such a great influence on just opening my eyes to different things or, um, probably my earliest experience with uh, a coach that, uh, or a teacher that really taught me to be myself was, uh, was in drum corps. I've talked about this numerous times and he said, uh, he pulled me a time, pulled me aside one day and he said, well, you're a very creative person. And I think uh, we need to pursue that some. And, uh, we chatted a bit about what creative people do, and he uh, supported me in that. And uh, he was just a terrific guy to talk to and just get some ideas. And I have to say that uh, we weren't buddies in the way that we could talk about all kinds of things. But when I was screwing up, he was, you know, on it in a second. And when I was doing good things, he was on it in a second even though we couldn't talk about the weather for some reason, we could talk about big things when it needed to be discussed. Absolutely. I had another coach. He was my high school football coach. And when I was a sophomore, I got to suit up for some of the varsity games. And he was a uh, English teacher. He was incredibly funny. And one day we were uh, at halftime and we were losing to an arch rival that he hated. It was Redmond High School. We were Juanita High School. And um, he is angry and, and mad at his team because we were losing. And so, and so, and so he's, he's doing this, his halftime speech, which, by the way, he is so funny. You wanted to laugh. You didn't dare. If you, you didn't dare crack a smile or laugh because it was so he was going back and forth and there was this trash can that was in front of him. And he said, and I hate these guys and kicked the trash can and everything went a bunch of different places. And so then he calmed down and he got the trash can and he put it back up, and he put the papers back in it, and he had bent the top of it so badly that he had to bend all the parts back. <laughs> and he's calmly talking, and he's saying things like, you know, guys, we really have, as he's putting this together, we have really got a much better team than they do. And, you know, if you guys really worked hard at it, and he's putting this thing back together, and if you guys really worked, 
worked hard at it. We could beat these guys. And so he finally gets the thing kind of together. It wasn't fitting anymore, but he just put the pieces back together on top of the thing. And then uh, um, just before we went out, he said, and this half, I want you to go out and I want you to really try hard. Guys, I know you can do it because, and he turned to the garbage can and he said, I hate these guys and kicked it all over again. And and stuff. So it was the funniest, one of the funniest moments that I ever had with with a coach like that. And you know, you 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 get an opportunity to meet these guys where they are. And and he was he was a really was an incredible. He is an incredible man. He's still with us. So uh, one of these days, I'd love to have him on to the lunch lunch group to, so that we could talk about. He's he's a very progressive, very very dynamic individual. He would be fun to have on the show. He Matt, Matt, he sounds great. He is. He's a great guy. Matt, got something? Well, I appreciate coaches because I look at them like scout leaders and big brothers. They're not training you to be a man's man in society. They're having you more as a glorified good person. And it's like when somebody asks if you're, then they'll compliment you by a specific faith. When they ask you if you're a football player, it's not necessarily your size. There's a reign of discipline to it where you're forthright in being self-sacrificing. Case in point, how we started off our show and Kayla's experience on the freeway. Exactly. I have one more. And this was a life lesson that he taught us. Um, at the end of practice, we would do 100-yard sprints. And we would line up at one goal line. And then we would sprint to the other goal line, turn around and do go back. And we would do this five or six times. And one of the guys decided as we, cause we would put our hand on the line. And one of the guys decided that he was going to put his hand six inches over the line. <clears throat> and my, the coach saw it and he went into a 10 minute dissertation as to you're cheating by trying to do something and getting an advantage that you shouldn't be doing because this is not going to do any good for you anyway, but it's you're, you're defeating yourself. And he went into this whole um, motivational thing about you're defeating yourself by, by not doing the right thing and by doing something because you're, you, 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 you think that you're gaining an advantage. He's gained six inches, and that guy ended up running three more 100-yard sprints. Uh, but, but, I mean, it was a life lesson of, of don't cheat to get an advantage because you're really not going to get an advantage and it's going to come back to bite you in the ass anyway. So that was another, go. another one of his, his great stories. Um, so Kayla, your, uh, your mom doing what she did was a pretty good story. Do you got another one? Another funny. Um, well, I can honestly say right now, if it wasn't for me going in through nursing, like nursing school, and with the instructor named Kim Orth that I had and how stern she was like on our, you know, scenarios with our mannequins and stuff like that, that we had to do. And then, you know, with the people that we were in the class with for being a nursing assistant, because you have to take a course. If it wasn't for her, I don't think being so stern on me, she was a, she's a big example for me is Kim by you know putting scenarios and and stuff like that into my head as being a nursing assistant as well so she gave me you know that kind of comfort i needed working on a mannequin but let alone <clears throat> other humans so it gave me that extra comfort and i'd like to thank her so thank you kim orth if you're watching 
I know you're on my Facebook and I know you follow. So huge shout out to you, girlfriend, because you're a rock star too. <clears throat> it's amazing. The strong people do so much for us. Sometimes we don't realize, you know, about tough love until we have it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say that was a little bit of tough love. <laughs> yeah. Now I would like to, in, in uh, that vein, Kayla, because in the last four months I've learned quite a little bit about you and you have got a relative who was and is by nature a negative person. I'm not going to call her out by, by title or name, but she's by nature a negative person. And one of, the, one of the things that she, I know, said to you was, well, you went through medical training and you didn't finish. You went to hairdressing school and you didn't finish. And so you're not you're implying that you were less than because you didn't finish. I'm here to tell you that that's absolutely not the case because that those experiences have led you to where you are today and are going to help you do what you need to do in the future. As an example, your medical training helped in the, with a gentleman on the bike and uh, who you are and with this podcast and where you're going to grow with that and everything else we're doing. Um, it's just it's just a natural progression for you. So, Matt, go ahead. Kayla, everything you have dabbled in, you learned the lesson well enough because around the corner, you're being called on. You're the go-to guy, go-to gal, and you've applied it. And case in point, hairdressing, how many seniors get a free hairstyle because you wouldn't have it any other way? That's a lot of <laughs> they good. They still slip that $5 or $10 in there, though. So sometimes I have to let it go, but... Other times I try not to. Well, but we're, just, we're just scratching the surface on this Kayla stuff. But, but you, Kayla, you have to understand, too, that they, appre they appreciate no end what you do for them, and they want to reward you, and they feel good. Uh, they can only afford $5. That's all they got. But they feel good about giving it to you. So um, by you accepting it, you're actually – accepting their love in the way that they understand and are able to give it back to you. So, so that's, that's good that you're, that you, that you're able to do that and to, and to let them, let them reward you because that, that is important in their life. That's a blessing to me though. Matt. That's exactly what we have with Mr. Eric as a bus driver. When that door opens, how you greet people, the familiar faces, when we began doing this show, the four of us, because it was just you and Eric, that came out often. And I know you, Kevin, we were neighbors. We've done shows together. But I look at the three people I'm doing this show with, and that's the only way I know you. Eric? You know, I wrote a story a year ago in October about pretty much what we're talking about. And I'd, I'd like to read it because I was upset that day by what I was watching. And it was, uh, well, it was just, I'm just going to read it. Please. And the, t and the title of it it's, is, Some Days I Wish for a Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> the good news, though, the Seahawks are four and, four and zero. That means they had a winning streak going. I'm going to rant a little bit. I like my job. I find it interesting. It's a job like no other if you're a people watcher. It's been said that bus drivers encounter more people than presidents or the Pope on a weekly basis. So that is what gives me a license to rant. 
Today, third and cherry. I've seen this man several times this past year. He sits in a provided manual basic wheelchair, the kind hospitals give to people who need them just before they are sent back out into the street or a shelter. He has no legs. He is far too skinny to look healthy. He has one arm. He struggles to use this chair. I've seen him trying to push the wheels forward. It's to say the least awkward. Back to today, 2 p.m. He sits on the street side of the sidewalk, facing uphill on third and cherry. His head is tilted to the side. His eyes are vacant. His one arm dangles next to the wheel. He looks exhausted. He's in a dangerous place as a car speeds up the hill and misses him by a couple of feet. I see a prostitute that I've seen with him before. They have struck me as friends, not business. She is blonde, short polyester skirt, stained with street muck. White leather jacket, blonde hair pulled back. Her white skin that is blotchy red. She is moving as quickly towards him as she can to help him. My light turns green and I move south on 3rd Avenue. I'm repulsed by what I just saw. A man with no legs, one arm living on the streets, his best friend, a drug-addicted prostitute who probably has a heart of gold. Nonetheless, her occupation creates a risk to her longevity, and her obvious drug addiction also creates risk. Why do we allow this? Is this the best we can do? I have more than once heard a society is measured by how they treat the most vulnerable. I think it's evident how we measure up. The same trip on First and Holgate and Lucille. Another man has his sweatpants down to mid-thigh. His jockstrap is down, too. He is scratching under his testicles. He sees me and tries to wave me down. He has a grin on his face, and he desperately tries to get me to stop. I don't stop. I can't have that on my bus. I have people that I'm responsible for their welfare and safety. I, drove, I drive down streets where both sides of that street have homeless, drugged, handicapped, mentally ill. These streets have garbage everywhere, decay, destruction as we build high-end high-rises. I'm a little angry at this point. I have to say, this kind of sequence of events is not outside the norm. This is the world that we have built, and it's no different in just about any big city across the country. And I'm sure other nations as well. We are an irresponsible people. I am one person. I fully admit that I do not have the money or resources to change anyone's life. I simply have enough money to get by day to day and save a little bit for tomorrow, and I hope for the best. There is also only so many good deeds that I'm capable of doing and still take care of my own life. I recently saw The Walking Dead. It's a great series, not just for the acting writing, effects, and eye candy. It's great because of the portrayal of what happens when we don't take care of each other. The people in that series return to tribal status. They have found themselves with a group of people. They work for the better of the good. When they don't, things predictably go wrong. So they bone up. They take care of each other the best way they can. It's not always about being a better fighter. Sometimes it's intelligence, sometimes it's creativity, choosing to walk away or learning to enjoy the moment. Every person has a place there. Every person is important to their tribe. We obviously do not do this. We have the wealthiest nation on earth. We have the most powerful nation on earth. We have a divided nation. 
The haves are telling us that there is nothing to be done to help the homeless, the poor, the disabled, or the druggies. Nor can we afford to educate people. They say we can't afford to help people that won't help themselves. We cannot afford health care. It's not a right. It's a privilege. They think these people are lazy and unworthy. They say this while the rich, the extremely rich, get more tax breaks, broader control over the planet, more overall control over consumers. In other words, we spend our money foolishly on the wealthy. We are a sick nation. There are days I try my best in my own world to help people around me, and I do these things selfishly because my world is better because of it, and I feel better about my world. I'm a Seahawk fan. I'm thrilled that they are now 4-0. Isn't it great that we have young millionaires playing a game owned by super rich who makes more money from people who have enough money to buy tickets and merchandise to support this lifestyle? I say this knowing that so many of those players and teams do good things in their communities. Is this the best we can do? Seriously, who would you rather talk to about life? A football player or a teacher or a social worker? Who would you give the most wisdom regarding life? I pull into a stop at Chinook Street under the West Seattle Bridge. I lower the bus for an elderly man pushing his belongings in a rigged up cart of a dolly and plastic mailboxes. It tips and spills his items out of the top milk box, some toilet paper, half loaf of bread, a peanut butter jar, and some clothing. He cusses. The second milk box holds a pup tent. The young man with a skateboard who is waiting for his turn to board bends to help him, and the old man starts to cry. And it's obvious he's embarrassed. And the young man gets his things stacked, pats him on the shoulder, and then boards. It's about 2.30 p.m., and I'm pissed. And I have tears in my eye at this point. And I drive slow to Avondale, where I take a left and head up a hill. And I'm thinking, a zombie apocalypse just might be deserved. And I'm not kidding. That's one of those days when you're driving a bus when... Things go from bad to worse, and it's like a never-ending saga. It just continues. Just continues, man. We are just too freaking big for our own goods, I think. I think the fact that we don't know these people that we're driving by, we don't recognize them, that sort of buffers the ability to drive by them. We just lack... We lack the vision. We're, we're wearing blindfolds and sunglasses, and uh, we sort of uh, mute ourselves from the situation until we feel that we are engaged because we have no other choice. So thank God, Kayla, you did that. That made my day. Selfishly made my day. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I have, a, I have a story, another bus driving story. I think I've told it before, but it bears repeating. Um, I was standing at the, after the incident, I was standing in the bullpen. Now, the bullpen at a bus, but this is before COVID. The bullpen is where a bunch of guys will hang out and talk about things, and there were like six or seven guys there, and I said, would, would, would any of you, if you saw a guy fall over at a bus stop into a ditch, would you get out and help him? Six out of the seven said no, and uh, one said hell no, and they would drive off. So let me tell you the story. It was um, up on uh, the East Hill of Kent, and I was there's a bus stop that right next to the bus stop is a ditch. 
and the ditch is about four feet deep and it has water in it and this is in february and um and there's this man sitting there uh cross-legged in front of the ditch right next to the bus stop and uh so i stopped opened the door and said did you want to are you coming and he's and he nodded and he was obviously intoxicated he tried to get up he fell over backwards into the ditch he tried to get out of the ditch he couldn't get out of the ditch he was he was wallowing in uh, like six inches of water and the water was freezing and it was cold and he'd fallen a little bit to get into there and uh, and but he couldn't get out so I, I put the brake on I got out of the bus and then I helped him get out of the ditch which took uh, a little bit I had 15 20 people on the bus nobody volunteered to help nobody came out to see if everything was okay so I finally get him out of the ditch now keep in mind that on two different occasions one of the reasons why I'm no longer driving a bus is because I injured myself I injured my arms in in helping people out of situations and so I had to have surgery on one and then so forth so so I helped him out of the ditch and uh, I asked him if he needed medical attention. He did. He said, he said, yes, I do. So I got back on the bus and made the call um, to, to the, our coordinator. And in the meantime, I said, folks, I'm sorry, but we are going to have to stay here until, uh, um, until medics arrive so that they can uh, take care of him. And uh, uh, several of the people rolled their eyes and looked at their watches and, and said, you know, we're going to get, God damn it, we're going to be late now, and I've got to, I want to get home and stuff like that. And uh, so we ended up having to wait, for, and it took about 10, 15 minutes for the aid car or the uh, fire truck to come. And then they took over, and they ended up calling an ambulance, and then they took him away because he said that he had, he had hurt himself and uh and stuff and 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 i actually that time i did have one guy one guy walk up to me and said thank you you did the right thing everybody else was like looking at their watch it's time to go and all that kind of, we are so self-absorbed in what we do and including folks that that i work with that drive a bus that would say no i left him in the ditch in the water that he couldn't get out of the what kind of human to human compassion do we have when we do that kind of stuff i don't get it i just don't understand matt yeah i we can go deeper and deeper with that negative because people look the other way years and years ago a woman was stabbed to death in broad daylight in new york city something like 18 times and a whole God. crowd of New York City afternoon people, that. not one person helped. Now, on a happy note here, I had a high school teacher that I kind of teased a little bit. He was my Spanish teacher, and I don't know a word of Spanish. He was a marvelous human being that took people camping, fishing. When I turned 21, my dad answers the phone. Son, Mr. Hayden is calling you. Uh, Mateo you are 21 today, and I just talked to your dad. He got consent from my dad to go out and buy me a beer because it was my 21st birthday. He remembered that. Awesome. All what those years, guy. I had a great afternoon. I only had one with him, but how's your life, Matt? How are you doing? And that type of thing. How cool But he, is that? he remembered, and yeah, I, I fished with you before. How cool and, uh, that, is that? It was just wonderful. It was, and he went through the proper channels, but I was remembered. It doesn't take much. You know, 
it doesn't take much to do big things for people because I would so much love having a beer with one of my old teachers. Yep. When my, let's see, this was probably, doesn't matter. It was late 80s, early 90s. And my mom. Having, having trouble <laughs> adding it up, are you? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and who cares? It's and relative to the story. My mom just joined this senior center out in Shoreline, Washington. And this was before health really started to decline. And my fourth grade teacher was also part of this uh, senior center. And they got to talking one day and, and they introduced each other. Mrs. Beak was her name. And she says, did you teach at Olympic Hills? And she says, yes, I did. And she says, Eric had you both in third and fourth grade. He loved you. And she said, Eric Hall? And she says, yes, I remember that kid. He had such bright eyes and a bright, cheery face. And he was always smiling. And she told some stories. And my mom came home and she, she told me this. And we had a conversation about it. I said, oh, I want to I have lunch with you guys. Uh, my next day off is this. Can I come out and join you guys for lunch? And I did. And this is what really impressed me. That sweet old lady that was in her 80s at that point and that taught for over 30 years, she remembered me the years that I was in, but she remembered so many classmates that I had forgotten about. And she was able to differentiate who went where and who was the younger sister, the younger brother of whoever. This woman had a grasp on every year. She obviously loved what she did and loved each of her students. And she had such a passion for it. And she only retired because she had to. And I got this whole different picture of what a teacher is or, you know, what it should be. It's been a while since I've been at grade school, but it's got a different picture of uh, what these people do for us. And this woman, these stories that she told me about just totally flipped all these switches uh, of the kids that I grew up with and the fun that we had and her reading as Charlotte's Web. And she told me, because Charlotte's Web is one of my, one of the first stories that uh, I fell in love with. And I've read it, you know, multiples of times since then. Even I, I read it, you know, within the past year. And she remembers reading that story and watching me with my eyes glazed over and just absolutely entranced by what she was doing because this woman had a way of telling the story and she had this way of almost purring cool. almost purring when she tell the story because she had so much love uh, to share with the whole group it was astonishing that she could tell all of these people after all this time it's humbling, it's humbling. It, it, it is and we've we've touched on this before but uh it my my uh, niece is a teacher She's an elementary school mm. teacher. Damn, and yes, and indeed, and what she has to do is she has to dig into her own pocket to get out some of her own money so that she can put together the lesson programs and the thing that she wants to do, which is a little, you know, more involved than than just basically reading a, a, a mimeographed portion of a book because they don't have enough books for everybody in the class. And so they have to... Uh, um, photocopy some of them and and then we talk about uh, uh people and, and you know and i love russell wilson i love professional football players 
And I know he goes to Children's Hospital every Tuesday, and he works with the kids. And for $36 million a year, he should. But I really think that <laughs> I think that should be a requirement if you're going to make that kind of money. But at the same time, uh, this, this teacher, my niece, was struggling at, you know, $45,000 a year. And was and it was having a much bigger impact on the thirty kids that she had in her class than a professional athlete ever would, and those are the people that we need to support because they're the ones that are going to impact our youth. Kayla's got a uh, um, a ten year old, a three year old, and a minus six month old or seven month old, <laughs> and she's going to need. All the support she can get from great teachers and, and stuff, by the way, I would like to congratulate you, and I know we all would, that uh, uh, congratulations on your, impend your impending birth of your third child, and, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. So uh, we just found out about this day a before lucky yesterday. Kid. It's a lucky, another Absolutely. lucky kid. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, pretty cool, or he, she, or he has three pretty cool uncles, so... And I already posted that. So <laughs> we're all family in some way, shape or form. In reality, it's it's a family circle and, and negativity is just an energy frequency that sticks with people that are depressed when they're angry, their emotions aren't right. So if you fill yourself with positiveness and nothing but love and light, that's all you're going to receive is a frequency back. If you let that negativity dwell with you, you're not going to go anywhere in life. And I've learned that for 30 years. Trust me. It didn't get me anywhere being a bitch 24-7 all the time. It didn't work. It was counterproductive for you. And, you know, and uh, Matt, have you have you ever uh, spent the whole day being a bitch? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Uh the biggest regret I have in my life is that years and years ago when everything was going south, Murphy's Law times 100, I briefly thought that nobody ever went through the problems I went through, the weight of it. And then I hated myself for that later because I realized that whatever your maximum capacity is, it's going to be challenged with the maximum capacity. So it was just confirming that I'm in the mix with everyone else. What I have noticed throughout my life, and I caught this at a young age, is when a person is pondering with problems, you're sort of holding a little angelic about it. The world could kind of see that you're preoccupied with the problem. And there are Kayla's out there and Eric's and Kevin's that read that, you being a good soul despite being a complete stranger, and they will come up to you, encourage, relate, and they give you this lift. It's like they're handing you something of value to take with life. You'll never lose it. And who was that masked man? That type of thing. But these good people have an eye for someone in need. And the best things are free. And they go out of their way to give you the time of day. To give you their two cents worth, which is gold. And you get that in this world. Now, now Matt, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Uh, one, one time I was going through a divorce and other things, and I went for a walk. It was a rainy night. And when I approached the store, a man walked up to me, and he says, you're going through problems. Yes, he was not a panhandler. 
And he just talked about life, how there's a reason why we get this way, to how we get stronger, and that everybody in your life is not lost. You are just getting more depth and strength for life as a whole, including he worded it beautifully. And I got it. I got it as if he was waiting there for me. And then when it was done, he kind of walked away dissipated. Maybe I'm sure he was an angel of some sort. Well, but, Matt, but such things do happen. But I, I, like I said, I'm not going to let you get away with that because you have done some very, very out of the box, incredible things for people in your community. And be it letting them stay at your place, be it getting them cans of food, uh, giving them uh, the attention that they need. You, you are helping with the elders and uh, with folks that, that quite literally, Matt, in some cases, and you know this, there are people that you talk to and deal with that will talk to nobody or anybody for the next three or four days. They sit in their, in their trailer. They, 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 are, they have to stay home. And, and you brighten their, not only their day, you brighten their life. And I want to thank you for that. I man, thank man. you. It's sort of a roundy round. We get in traffic, you know, you know what I'm saying? Those roundabout things. We get in the mix. It's a give and take. I've received enough where I understood to give it out. Thank you. And again, who am I talking to? <laughs> Besides, you give people fresh fish. Yeah. Yep. That's a, that's a big one, man. Yeah. That's a big so, one. so, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's just indicative of the type of character of the people that, that are coming to this podcast, um, because you are all of the highest character and, uh, some of us need to learn how to smoke a pipe better, but, uh, <laughs> but, but you have the highest character and you, and you're, and you're great human beings and, and you are sucked in. To the mission when I speaking of being sucked was in. that subtle, <laughs> <laughs> and and you you guys have bought into the fact that you, just a little bit. I'm just trying to hold my pipe. <laughs> <laughs> See, you you guys have bought into the fact that uh, that we want to get rid of hate, division, and fear, and we want to present something that's real positive and and lively and fun and stuff. So I I, I appreciate all you guys. You have no idea. This is a fun group. I always leave motivated. Like, like, like I said, this is my favorite. Like I said, this is my favorite two hours of the week. And and Kayla, you know, we just you you dress us up and make us look presentable. I think it's great. <laughs> I just I fit right. You give in, people something to look at. You <laughs> 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 give you give people something. Number one now. Number two, nah. number three, nah. four. Yeah, yeah. Although, 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 gentlemen, I I do have to tell you that uh, the the responses that I've got is that we may not be the best looking guys, and we may be slightly over the hill, but we all have got something positive to say. We've got good senses of humor and stuff like that. So it's uh, it it makes it it makes it all worthwhile. I spent the day yesterday being a bitch. Did you really? Tell us about I did. that. I did. Well, in fact, a couple of days, I've been a bit. I've been. I've oh, had a problem with my phone. Huh? What? What? We need to mark it what? on the calendar. Yeah. Oh no! I, 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 I've, I'm a well-known ass. You guys just haven't seen that part of me. I'm a well-known ass. Were you? Were you having your period at the time? 
I'm uh, apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, it was it was part of your cycle. Yeah, it's just part of my cycle. I've been having problems with my phone. And I picked up a phone oh five months ago. And it turns out I didn't there's your all phones come with a little magnetic needle that help uh, with the compass or your navigation. So when you go to navigation, you know, you follow that little blue dot down the street and you can find out where you're going. You can watch where you're going, that kind of thing. Well, I haven't needed it, you know, so I didn't really download an app or use it for the last couple of months, but I have a telescope as I've talked about before. And there's apps for sky viewing. So you can find out which star is the, you know, 434th one away from the moon and you can point the telescope at that and know which one you're looking at know what the name of the star is that you're looking at and these apps that i would download would not function they would freeze and they'd come up missing the magnetic magnetic needle on your phone and i'd download a compass to see if i could get the needle to engage and i, I couldn't so I did a, a check on the phone, and yes, uh, there's supposed to be a needle in this phone that I bought, you know, five months ago. Now, every phone, now every smartphone that I've had in the past, what, decade mm -hmm. has had, you know, this needle. So I've had compasses and navigation and all that stuff. So I had a reasonable expectation that the phone that I purchased would have a needle. So when we met for dinner the other night, Kevin... I had a couple of minutes beforehand to stop in at the Verizon store and I said, Hey man, having trouble with my phone apparently doesn't have a needle. And the salesperson said, uh, well, I never heard that before. That's, that's gotta be wrong. And he, uh, tried to download an app, a compass map, a, a compass an app, and it came up as no needle on your phone. And he did a diagnostic, no needle on the phone. And he says, well, you know, we can sell you another phone. And I'm paying for this phone on, on, you know, with the package. So there's still, you know, 150 bucks owed on the phone. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm going to go back to the store that I purchased it from and have a chat with him. Now, people at this store are highly professional, very kind. But you can see that I'm not going to get anywhere. Nobody's going to say, that's an odd phone. There's something wrong here because every phone that's made, every smartphone has a magnetic needle in it. There's something wrong with your phone and we're going to fix it. This is a very large company and they're, uh, they have the best coverage. Uh, everybody buys their satellites by time so they can do their own uh, phone coverage. You know, people use this uh, as the baseline for all communication. So there's no reason that I shouldn't have coverage and navigation. So I go back, I wait, we have a nice dinner, and I get up the next morning, and um, I head down to the Verizon store in Burien where I purchased uh, my phone. <laughs> and I tell the manager there, the one guy working in the store who's got three customers at the time, and I tell him, hey, man, I got a problem with my phone. Okay, I'm multitasking. I'll be right back. Please turn on your phone, and we'll figure out what's going on. So he goes on and, you know, I'm waiting 15 minutes before he circles back. And he's very pleasant. He's very professional. All this is very well studied words and verbiage that he learned in training class. And he says, uh, your phone um, doesn't have a needle and it should have a, it should have a needle. And I said, yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. I'd like to trade this in and, and get a new phone. 
And he says, okay, we can do that for you. Um, you owe 150 bucks, but we can put you on another package and get you another phone. I said, no, I don't want to pay for a def defective phone. There's no reason why I should. And he says, well, there's nothing I can do for you unless I pay for it out of my pocket. And I said, well, that's, that's not going to happen. And he says, well, I can give you the number to customer service. And he, you know, writes it down and expects me to leave the store, which I don't. I just sit there and I dial it up and I put it on speakerphone and he's dealing with customers and I'm speaking loudly to uh, the gentleman that lives in uh, the South, says that he lives in uh, the Southern part of the United States with a curious, uh, curious Indian accent, but nonetheless, a very fine gentleman that speaks second English as a second language is the best that he can. So we go back and forth, and I, I, for the life of me, I cannot pronounce this gentleman's name, no matter how many times he's told me his name. He's got too many vowels and letters in it. I can't, I can't do it. But I struggle along, and we get through it, and I'm trying to be nice as he is. But at some point, about 45 minutes into the conversation of him telling me, yes, your phone does not have a needle in it, and it should, but we have to charge you for the phone anyway because you did not ask the salesperson if my phone had a needle in it. What? Yeah, I did not ask the salesperson, does this, does this phone have a needle in it so I can have navigation, star charts, and a compass? So, so you, 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 wait a minute, you're telling me that, that this phone that was sold to you defectively, you were supposed to, you were supposed to ask him up front? I um, was. I was. And I said, no. I said, I have a reasonable expectation that been made should have a needle in it because the phone that I had previous to that that lasted for five years had a needle in it with an old operating system. Now, every phone on this wall, if I asked, would have a needle in it. Just because some nine-year-old Chinese kid that was putting in his 12th hour on a Saturday. Right somehow didn't include the needle or the electronics to that needle got damaged somewhere. This phone is not functioning the way it's supposed to be. I'm sorry, sir. I can't do anything for you. I'm listening to your problem. I recognize it, but there's nothing we can do for you. And I said, you sold me a defective phone. At this point, my voice is raised and I'm getting, I'm ranting. I've changed. You know, they talk about redskins. I'm a, I'm a Cleveland Redskin at this point. <laughs> and I'm bellowing out, and the manager is embarrassed, this, this poor young kid from California that just started his job on Monday. <laughs> Running the store by himself, and now he's got this guy, you know, yelling at this poor Indian guy on the other side of the planet that who's supposedly in, in the United States uh, has to get a phone replacement. And finally, after an hour and a half... An hour and a half, I am not exaggerating, an hour and a half of absolute professionalism, absolute kindness on the other side of the voice. You know, it's all steady. Yes, sir, I understand. This is a problem. I can understand your anger. I am so sorry. Finally, <laughs> finally, they come around and, and we have a conversation with the manager on speaker with all the customers around and me bellowing out <laughs> about the problem that they say, you know, that phone really should have came with a needle in it, and we should replace this. <laughs> <laughs> so 
after, you know, I've got about two and a half, three hours invested into this because of the, you know, the time that I spent before we had dinner the day before. And then the time that I spent at that uh, Verizon store, they did come around and say, oh, yeah, we should replace that. But it took a lot. These people were professional. They were kind. They were always calling me, sir, or Mr. Hall, Eric Hall, whatever I'd insist. They, Yes, sir, I understand. And then after all that, they said, we're getting the phone to you as soon as we can. It's going to take a couple of days for shipping. Is that okay? Absolutely. Do I still owe the $150? And they said, yes. And I said, I agree with that. I think that's a good thing because they're just going to replace the phone. I don't have to pay anything extra. It's just the $150. That's a fair transaction. That's all I'm asking, a functioning phone with reasonable expectations. But this is, you know, this is part of what we deal with day to day. The customer service has just removed themselves from that engagement with a certain level of pro detached professionalism. You know, it's amazing because when we were we, we were going to go to the dinner at the, that same night, and I was a little early, so yeah. I went to the T-Mobile store. I'll be damned. <laughs> because um, I had gotten a phone from my mom and, uh, uh, and, and also a plan. Oh, boy. And so I walked into the T-Mobile store. Now, yeah. I assume that if it says T-Mobile on there, that they can pretty much do anything that you need for them to do within the confines of the store. It would make sense to me anyway. I but feel that emotion, yeah. Yes. And so I walked in and she and they have this this little iPad that they that they log you into. Yes. So she said Yeah, she said, So what are you what are you here to do, sir? And I said, I need to cancel a line on my plan. And she said, Oh no, we can't do that here. And I said, Is this T Mobile? Did I walk into the wrong building? Am I in the wrong place? Oh no, you have to call customer service for that. But I said, But they never pick up. Uh, why can't you handle canceling a line on the plan that all you got to do is go to your computer, look it up and cancel the line? Uh, no, sir, we can't do that. Um, so it's like, where, where has, it's like that old, uh, um, where have all the flowers gone? Where has all the customer service gone? Man, it is such a complicated process now because they have these huge departments of customer service, people answering the phones just to say, Mr. McDonald, so nice to talk to you. I heard a song was written about you. Tell me about it. Because the sheep love you and the goats love you and the cows love you. Even the ducks love you. Tell That's me about yourself. How's your day? <laughs> Matt, Matt go, ahead. go ahead. The job that I retired from, we yeah, were yeah, yeah. told many times. And one time it was like two or three times within the same year. And to make a long story short... I was one of those who had a lot of taxes taken out, so I'd get a hefty tax return. We had to pay taxes twice because when the company took out the taxes, they were not advanced, and the corporations folded, so they didn't exist anymore. And so I'm talking to the IRS, and they said the money was never sent to us. Your company took it out. And they said, it's your fault because whenever you get a paycheck, you should call the IRS to make sure that indeed we got the money. Well, nobody no does way. that. It's like your no phone. Way. You know that that pin or whatever is supposed to be in it. And so to make a long <laughs> story short, myself and others had to pay taxes twice that year because it was between two or three different corporations. I think two of them folded and it's vanished. Um, 
it's on you, pay up. And that's Man. what happened. Uh, we had a cash out vacation pay. We had a cash out sick pay. Some guys had to take loans out, make payments. Oh but we were waiting to get a few thousand back and no other direction. Oh, and our fault, horrible. our fault because we didn't call every time we got a paycheck Nobody. twice a month. Nobody, nobody wants does. to call the IRS. Nobody even wants to call the IRS. That's well, nobody the worst calls thing them to do. double check because it's there yeah. on your receipt, supposedly. But that was years ago. I survived it. Uh, life goes on. <sighs> now, Kayla, being being a wonderful, beautiful young lady, they don't treat you the same way that they treat us stinky old men, do they? Oh, no. I get treated salty and sour by a lot of people, truthfully. <laughs> It probably depends on my, you know, demeanor and how I approach things as well. Like, say, for instance, I spent $380 on a pair of glasses to have them have the um, glare reflectors. Yeah. It works on my pair of glasses. Well, I'm wearing them and I'm realizing that they're not working like they should be. And I go to Walmart because I I've been going to this eye clinic since I was a kid, the the original one that I'm talking about, where I spent the 380. Well, I go to Walmart and I have them look at my glasses, and I was like, how come there's such a bad glare? Like, there's not that that lens protector for at nighttime driving. Well, you see, when we're holding it up like this, it doesn't have the green reflect reflective like that coming from both both sides, front and back. That's because you paid for them and they're not what you paid for at all. And so I was so mad. I ordered myself two new pairs from Walmart and went back and well, I had made plenty of phone calls trying to get them to ship my um, prescription over like my eye prescription. And it took a month for that. And I kept hounding the Walmart it, you know, have they sent anything over? I hounded the other eye place. Well, finally, I got so fed up. I went in there and I said, here's my glasses. I want my money back. You guys sold me glasses that are not working, that are ruining my eyeballs. And well, how do you know they're ruining your eyeballs? You paid for this, blah, blah, blah. I can show you that this is right and this is right. And I go, I had them looked at by multiple other people. And they're telling me that I paid for what I, what I didn't get. And I go, and I'd like my $380 back so I can go purchase new glasses elsewhere. And, and they, they were persistent on not giving me my money back. And I said, oh, no, no. And I go, I will take this higher up. I will go above you. And I will get you guys in some serious trouble for ruining other people's eyeballs and not giving them the right prescription that they paid for. Then she came back out and was like, okay, here's your $380 check. And I go, you want the glasses in the, in the case? Yep, we sure do. And I go, well, here you go. Thanks. I'll take my check and go. So if I would have gone in there ruder, I think, then without such a calmer demeanor, I don't think I would have been walking out of there with the 380 bucks. No. She probably would have called the cops on me and told me to get the hell out. It, it is Walmart, yeah. You know, and I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Mister. Well, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that something happened uh, to my family recently that uh, um, that I think bears repeating so that people can know about it. Um, when you go buy a used car, uh, 
One of the things that they'll say is, boy, you know, this car is as is. But, you know, you can get this really cool, neat warranty and you can take this warranty. And then then and then if something goes wrong with your car, it, it can be fixed. And um, so um, one of my family members did that and it turned out that the car wasn't right. So they took the car back. She didn't want to deal with them anymore. And uh, so they tried to get their money back on this three thousand dollar warranty um apparently the way that works is they can call out but you can't call them because they apparently don't answer the phone and so there's no way that you can um figure out how to and oh by the way you have to go to that particular dealership to have the warranty um, um, uh, effective on it. And it, none of that is explained until after you decide that you need to use the warranty. And then all of this stuff comes up. So my uh, advice to anybody that's buying a used car, think very carefully before you spend $3,000 on a warranty. There's cheaper, wa there's cheaper toilet paper out there. There is. There, there is. Yes, man. I had a 100,000 mile bumper to bumper warranty on a Chevy truck that I bought and the truck was under a year old. It was a lot car that I think their boys messed up a bit and they pawned it off on a guy like me. But again, I had the warranty and so the back axle shimmied a little bit and they said, yes, it's bent and they repaired it. And then the back axle came off on the freeway going to work on 509. God. And when that happened, they would not honor the warranty. And so the first person on my side was a police officer who was there. But because he didn't witness the accident, he didn't count. And so what happened was it was in their shop. They repaired it. And then they stuck it to my insurance. And I got into contingency attorney and he swore at me. He says, you don't understand the insurance game. It was your insurance company that got cheated and paid, not you, because you were covered because you had the warranty and insurance. So you're not in any crossfire here, but my insurance went up after that. I had to get someone else. And they said, it's the insurance game. And I said, why? And they said, because you have quite a lawsuit for them repairing something and the axle came off on the freeway. And if it's not their fault, then we got a Chevrolet recall. They said they had five attorneys waiting to back them up so they didn't have to recall that model or how far I could have gone if I wanted to. And I said I was covered with insurance, but it should have been their dime, not my insurance. I said it was the warranty. I was upset. And the guy said it's the insurance game and you were taken care of. And they hung up on me. Then my insurance people called me and called me down saying it's the insurance game. You were taken care of between the two of us that. But I hated that chicanery. A hundred thousand. The vehicle had right about a thousand miles on it only, and that was my experience on five hundred nine. Damn. Oh man, how did you How did you stop the car with the back? How, when what the happened was it was winter time. I was going down five hundred nine. I worked at the base of the First Avenue Bridge. I was a mill operator. I always took my radio home with me. The radio was charged. And I could call the plant from where I was. Say, okay, Matt's going to be late. Then I used my cell phone to get assistance. And um, I was the only one out there. I always show up early. It slid back and forth doing S's. Then I got it off to the shoulder and kind of spun out. 
the guy who picked me up, who came here with the record, he went to the showroom of the Chevrolet place and he unloaded. He yelled, swore, and everything when he found out that they weren't going to honor that because he was the tow truck driver and he knows the game. He went on his own time and went back there weeks later when he saw how it was happening. Because he called up. He knew I was a nice guy. I wanted to know how I was doing. He went there on his own and made a big scene in their showroom over it. See, that's a nice guy. That's that's an angel that, that took care of you. Yeah. Um, Kayla, got anything? to? No. <laughs> I'm going to a brain fart now, guys. Oh, well, that's okay. Um, just never mind. Never mind. Although I do have to tell you, uh, since I've now had some experience in court with with uh, the law and with uh, suits and all that kind of stuff, um, I recently had one where I got called. A friend of mine who works for this company, and Eric is very close to this company, um, he... Uh, he said, uh, since I was off work because of a disability, he said, the lawyer talked to me and I can't really, I don't want to get involved, but he wants to know if you want to get involved. And so he told me the story. I went and looked at the film and what it was about was a lady got onto this vehicle and um, the vehicle started. Uh, the lady uh, was trying to walk back. She fell, broke her hip, um, had to go to the hospital, uh, spent uh, like, $80,000 to put her hip back together and all of that. Um, and uh, the company was at first of all, they said, well, we'll pay for her medical bills, but we're not paying any additional to that because it was partially her fault. There's a 60 year old lady. The bus driver took off within three seconds of her boarding the bus and uh, and stuff. So so he's, they said, no, we're not going to pay any extra for that. And so we're going to have to go to court. So he said the, 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 the attorney for the person that was injured said, all right, then I guess we're going to court. And he actually had a pretty good case. And uh, three months before we were going to go to court, because I was going to be a witness on their behalf, because I thought that what the driver did was not appropriate. Um, and uh, and they, uh, they, they said, okay, we'll give you $30,000 plus uh, the uh, medical that you you." We'll give her $30,000. And he said, no, I'm sorry. That's that's not enough. That's not going to cut it. So uh, we got ready to go to court. And uh, he talked to me about what we were going to do and stuff. And it was going to it was the week before we actually went. They upped the offer to a reasonable amount. And he accepted that offer. But they had to go all the way through to the very end before they would settle at a reasonable offer. So don't take the first thing that, that you're offered if you have an injury or something like that. Uh, go get, and, and, uh, because these lawyers work on contingencies, make sure you go get a lawyer and, and to take it to where it needs to go so that you can get taken care of. I can't tell you how many people probably uh, would s settle for a lot less than what they should have because they're not willing to go the extra mile. Does that make sense to you guys? It yeah. does, man. It does. You really got to stick to your guns and hang in there sometimes. Just Wi-Fi. Yeah. You know, I have a story of a large company here that uh, they wanted to. I'm a cheap person. I, I try to get by with as little uh, as I can for things. And I do everything through Wi-Fi. I don't need cable. Yeah, and nobody needs cable anymore. You can get everything through uh 
uh, streaming devices. So, and streaming devices, they just push a button and, and let it go. So there's no reason they have to charge you a hundred bucks a month for, uh, for streaming. And this large company, uh, I was getting by with paying oh, 40 bucks a month. And this lasted for a couple of years and they wanted to double the cost of it. They said, well, we've, we've had to raise our costs. And I said, well, you know, a little bit of cost is reasonable. A little bit of an increase is reasonable, but you're doubling it. You know, I don't see what the purpose of doubling, except that uh, you guys built the stadium here. You know, and I, know, I realize you're paying a lot of money for it, but uh, I don't want to be the one that uh, is responsible for the bulk of that cost. And we got into this discussion and it took three people for every time I'd say no. And they don't want to lose you as a customer. That's that's a secret. You should always remember they don't want to lose you as a customer. Nope. So if you hang in there and just stick to your guns about what you want, another hour and a half and me being, you know, dealing with professional, kind people and me not always being, you know, professional and kind, I was able to keep my Wi-Fi cost to 40 bucks a month. And when I moved out of that place into a new place, you know, another part of town, um, I explained the situation. I only pay this much. I'm not going to pay 80 bucks a month for Wi-Fi. And I went through this whole conversation again. And they will elevate you. They will pass you on to the next person. And that's usually a good sign because you've won the argument. Yes. Well, and and you're you're a kind soul. I can't imagine you get uh, get difficult. And I'm a snotty little boy. <laughs> I could be a snotty little boy. <laughs> so, Caleb, does that ever happen to you? Oh yeah, I've 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 had a lot of shady things happen. Oh, but I've also done a lot of shady things too, and got my karma for it. Oh, you haven't done any shady things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave that. We'll leave that alone. Uh, apparently, apparently, we've lost Matt. He, I think he drowned. I, in the toilet. I think there's a fish on the line. <laughs> that could very well be a fish on the line. Um, <laughs> so, um, so are those prescriptions? No. Oh. I just decided to disengage a little bit. Put my filter on. <laughs> what the, well, disco kid. Well, while we got a moment, Eric, tell tell our audience of uh, uh, what what we're planning on for the future here. Ah, um, a new show that uh, you and I discussed. A uh, different take on things. Uh, the title of the show is called "Looking at Tomorrow." And the concept of that is looking how the daily life of an average person will be sometime down in the near future, tomorrow. So we're going to cover different topics of interest, like uh, the first show we're going to start with is with climate change. So we're going to talk about how climate change is going to change our lives. And, you know, whether the fact that uh, uh, you believe that humans have caused climate change or not, this is the summer when people are saying, finally, people are saying, yeah, climate change is undeniable. Whatever the reason is, we need to get ahead of this and start doing that. I think there's 70, some 72, 73% of people are saying now, we're not doing enough to battle climate change. 
and it's almost too late. So we have to do some severe things about it. And our lives are going to change in the next decade about how we do things. So we're going to talk about that. And Kevin had a fun idea that uh, during during the segment of the show, which is only going to be an hour, only, which is going to be an hour long, um, at some point in the time, we're going to do a segment where I call in 25 years from the future. Eric's on the line. There's a phone call. And then the video comes in and I'm dealing with, you know, the situation that happens in the future. So as our as some of these issues are going to be, we're going to try to have fun with it. We're going to remember that we're in the great things about humans are we can be ridiculously optimistic and have an endless supply of humor if we choose to go that route. And um, we're going to we're going to take it from the, we're going to take it from that standpoint, looking at tomorrow. And I really think that when we look at tomorrow, when we look at where we're at, when we look at where we're going, we really need to take into account uh, what Kayla's kids are going to be are going to deal with. Because one's ten, one's three, one's minus six months, and um, <laughs> they're, they're the ones. Oh, you finally got that, did you, Kayla? You didn't get that oh, the first I'm time. Air for right now. I don't know how far though. I'll find out on August third though. Oh, very good. And uh, yeah. we really need to work on salvaging what's left for our kids and for our grandkids uh, because, we, let's face it, Eric and Matt and I are not going to be here in 30 years, but more than likely. Um, but uh, Ryan if we're is here, we won't know it. <laughs> That's right. <We're, laughs> but, but Ryan's going to be 40, and uh, Kayla's going to – or. Uh, um, uh, Ray is going to be all lot, seven years younger than so she'll be thirty-three, and they'll be right in their wheelhouse, and it's going to be uh, a long road for them. And we need to work together as a planet to help each other so that we can get rid of as much of the um, effects of global warming as we can. Lunch club, second generation. What and also the the show after that we're talking about artificial independent artificial intelligence. How, how our lives are going to change. And this is, this is another fun one. And this is something I really envy. I really envy the next generation up uh, because there's going to be a lot of great things that happen. Imagine they're already, you know, on their new discoveries of what intelligence is and what uh, creatures feel and, and uh, think about, you know, is upon us where we're new groundwork. But imagine having a chip put into your cat. I've got a cat. And you can have some sensation with your pet. That'll put that'll put Corey L. Kramer out of work, and and uh, Kayla too. But uh, but you know because Imagine. they they yeah. Well, you're going to need couples therapy. There'll still be room for people like that because well, my cat will say he never feeds me on time. Why is that? You know, how it's 5.30 and he's not, I eat at 5.30. And we're going to have to go through this because, you know, cats can be demanding. And he doesn't scratch my chin, my left chin. He scratches my right. I want him to start with my left chin. We have to go through all that stuff and examine it. Absolutely. Matt? Remember Warshu, the chimpanzee that was raised in captivity that knew the American Sign Language? And they would have Coco. intelligent. Well, Coco was another Gorilla. one, but Warshu was the first one. And that chimpanzee would ask very intelligent questions about relationships between people, 
about somebody being jealous of someone and just communicating at that level with the American Sign Language. And I want to mention, by the way, that uh, if you aren't aware of it, uh, Coriel Kramer does a show with me uh, at noon on Tuesdays, and she's got something that she is calling Animal uh, Dynamics, and it's different aspects of your animal and what kind of personality that they have so that you can understand them better, pet them appropriately, and feed them the way they want to be fed. Eric, you're just – and probably you don't change the litter box on time either, do you? Well, I do that because it benefits me. <laughs> because, you know, we have to worry. Shiva doesn't think her shit stinks, but it, it really does. <laughs> so we have to talk about that when we get an opportunity. Shiva, your shit stinks. No, it doesn't, human. <laughs> well, it goes for you. You 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 got to admit though, cats are pretty special because they can lick yeah. their own arse when they when they when they need to clean up a little bit. It's kind of like, wow. As many times as I've tried, I cannot do that. <laughs> and, and even if you could do that, I don't think you would do that. I don't think you would either. I'm not Gene Simmons. We'll just get to it. I'm not Gene Simmons. <laughs> Uh, by the way, if you want to know who Gene Simmons is, he is the front man of Kiss, and he's got a tongue that's like nine feet long. <laughs> yeah, I will do it because, you know, we have families watching. Yep. I, I had a friend in high school that his uh, his claim to fame was he could touch his nose with his tongue. Wow. Anybody do that? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, so that was that was his uh, his claim. To fame. I saw and, Kayla jump. Woo. Uh, you know, it's, it's about this time when we all get a little rummy after doing this for an hour and forty five minutes, and everything is a little bit funnier now than it was. Eric, anything you got? Anything that's not disgusting that I can add? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll try. No, <laughs> no, ain't, ain't gonna ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna work. That's that's okay. That's all right. So, uh, by the way, you're listening to the Lunch Club. This happens every Wednesday at one to three. If you've got a um, if you've got a suggestion for us. I know I talked to Paulette and uh, about a suggestion, and uh, and we did that this time. And uh, if you got a suggestion on a new uh, topic you'd like us to tackle, we would be happy to do that. Um, Eric has bought some camera work, so I'm going to send Eric and Matt out for lunch, and to uh, and to do a a film of them doing a review of the restaurant and and stuff, and then we'll we'll that'll be fun. Uh, we are we are going to be. Um, um, monitoring uh, Kayla's pregnancy, and uh, and uh, by the way, it's the uh, form that I sent you is in the mail, Kayla. Where we're going to be going in there? <laughs> How you doing? We're we're going to be we're going to be in the operating room uh, with our cameras um, when when it's time for you to give birth, and we'll be right over Winston's shoulder. Love to C-section via C-section scheduled, so I I doubt that. <laughs> No, we don't want to see that. That would no. be the. Yeah, I saw that fun. movie. Alien still nightmares me. 
<laughs> exactly. If you haven't seen Alien, that's you need to watch it. Then you'll know. You'll understand. Matt, anything anything you'd like to add? I'm enjoying the show very much. We started talking about humanity and the unsung heroes, the Good Samaritans. Years and years ago, a group of us were sharing a house together, and I was on unemployment for a little while. I had a job that would work me like nine months, so three months of camping. I loved it. No bills. Well, anyway, one month my unemployment check didn't arrive where it normally did. And I waited the following day and I didn't get it. And so I'm motivated. I'm getting ready to fish and camp. So I used everything I was made up of to write a sophisticated complaint letter and what a good person I felt I was and how you're failing me and what it's like to go hungry, exaggerating quite a bit. So I put it in the mailbox and then the next day, my unemployment check arrived. And then two days later, the agencies called. They had food for me. Somebody wanted to take me out to lunch, to dinner, come by, we'll do this, I can hand you money. All of these people coming everywhere to help because of what I had written. All this wow. great detailed stuff taken off the charts. My tail was between my legs. There were many people out there who really did care. They reached out to me. And I did an overkill writing this nasty letter where up to that point, things were fine. And I still got it. So I learned a lesson about being trigger happy and um, giving a cheap shot. Are you sure that was your tail that was between your legs? <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to know if you knew the difference. That's all. We'll call it that my tail was between my legs. Okay. I regret having written that letter the way I wrote it and putting it in the mailbox. And uh, if, by the way, our friend Paulette says, y'all don't mind me saying this has been beyond delightful and insightful today. The positivity y'all share and the human sides you expose, love it. Thank you for yet another fantastic show. Paulette, thank you. Uh, thank we, you. We, love it. we love having you along. You are a very special human being. And uh, and even even if you live in Montana, that's okay. We're waiting on Matt's response. Paulette, <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Thank you. Yes, indeed. So so um, anybody, we we're it's time for us to wrap up now. Uh, Matt, uh, let's talk about MattShayBooks.net. You can go to MattShayBooks.net and. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's this is my question, Matt. Was uh, that when you discovered you were a damn good writer? I always did horrible in grade school, but I could write papers. And in college, I struggled. And then I had to talk to the dean because they were going to expel me because they thought it was plagiarizing. And I showed them that these were papers that I wrote, stories and stuff. I verified it. Uh, oh. Writing always came easy. Uh, no problem to it in that. And I enjoy it very much. And ever since I was a little kid, I would write notes to myself. I would have mental notes because I knew they would assemble into story one day, which I did when I retired. But uh, just so, like you, you could pick up a musical instrument. You could well on that thing. Well, he also has got quite an ability to write. Um, a great that writer. Excellent. But Excellent. he doesn't. He doesn't use it as much as we would like him to, <coughs> sir. 
what me we're talking about matt that's a great writer <laughs> eric you are great stuff i like yeah. your stuff thank you very kind very kind i appreciate it well getting back to the website i do have a free audio book and a lot of people have been downloading it so that's great it's one on the house some free stories that if you want to step into the world of amazon i got that too awesome awesome good and please there's an audiobook there that is um uh elmo and it is a really 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 good story and i would in, in, encourage you and it's by the way it's dirt cheap it's like seven dollars or some silly thing the it's elmo paperback has been selling a lot that's Ooh, been my number good. one seller ever since you came out with that audio for me. Oh, that's dynamite. That's my good paperback, to hear, yeah. That's good to hear. There's hope that books still sell, as they should. And they really they really should. So well, we have the ebook and Kindle. We have that as well. And that that the person that read that story was just uh, absolutely fantastic too, Matt. That was a good find. Uh I'm not gonna sell them. He's he's staying in the stables. He's great. Good, good. Yeah, he's familiar with stables. They wrote a song about that, you know. They a did. Quack quack there, a little cluck cluck there. Here a reader. Here here a here a reader. Here there a reader. <laughs> reader reader well, everywhere. <laughs> my my nickname at Kratz uh, Foods when I was a food salesman was E I E I O. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I so, love that. That's a great. That's a great nickname. But it's but it's McDonald, not MacDonald. See, so uh, old MacDonald you know, was is. You say tomato, I say tomato. You say <laughs> potato, I say potato. <laughs> See, you you're 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 See? a real good writer. You can you you can do stuff. It just so, means you can sell burgers. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> I've actually had people say, are you that McDonald's? <laughs> like, uh, no. no. I worked in the research department for a while. Exactly. <laughs> I, but I was I was a line cook at Denny's. I know how to cook really? fast food stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. See, that's, that's good. That's back, a good skill. You got to learn how to cook that stuff. That's There is no better food than breakfast food. I've just no, declared you, it. You're, no, you're right, and uh, but I want to tell you uh, the way Denny's used to do it. There are two ways that you cook eggs. One is you put them on the grill, and the other one is you use egg pans. Oh, and yeah. I worked at the um, uh, Northgate Denny's for a little while, and they would they, they would do uh, three four hundred people in a six, seven hour period, and you've got God, two good. egg burners, and it was a real art form. Have you ever seen a really good uh, bartender? That, yes. that is showy and he's fast and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. what being an egg cook is like. It really is an art form. Oh um, yeah, because kegs, eggs, man, they're they're like everybody wants eggs differently. I, I was having breakfast this morning in Pancake Chef, and I sat near uh, where the waitresses would deliver the order to the chefs, and I was just listening to all these different eggs. Oh yeah, over easy, over they medium, over hard. They want them over easy, side, side up poached um there are there are a myriad of ways that you want it done and they've and each person is a slightly different they want it done a little bit differently and there's strong feelings about them yep people have strong feelings about their eggs man you don't want to miss do you remember the episode of mash 
where they came across some fresh eggs that they hadn't seen for a long time. They were eating, you know, egg beater or whatever the powdered eggs of that during the Korean War was. Yeah, powdered eggs. So they had an opportunity for eggs of their own. So they're all going up and trying to talk to the cook to, I like my eggs, you know, over easy. I like my eggs just soft boil. They're coming up with all this stuff and their mouths are watering as they're discussing this. And it came time for the cook to make them. And he says, making them all scrambled. That was it because, you know, it's a whole camp of military people. And you could just, you could just see everybody's, but they were still eggs. Yep. Yep, it's 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 kind of like the soup Nazi on Seinfeld. You remember that? No soup for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Matt, uh, anything else you'd like to add before we go? A big congratulations for Ke Kayla's family. It was so neat. Just before the show, we got to talk to Winston. That was just wonderful. And uh, you guys great. were great. What a wonderful Wednesday we had. Yeah. Great Wednesday. We, we yeah, we got to pick on Winston. That was fun. So thank you for that. Yes. Eric, how about you? <laughs> um, take off the sunglasses. Enjoy the sun. And don't look right at it. Don't look right <laughs> at it. But uh, if if you see somebody that maybe you wouldn't engage with, try just engaging a little bit and drinking in some humanity. Let the, let the light of humanity blind you a little bit. Kayla May? Just take it easy out there. If you get a gut instinct that you feel like you might save someone, it might happen. Just know that. Now, now we haven't talked about this, so I might as well put it into onto the air uh, where you can't deny it because I'll have a recording of it. Um, we were planning on doing a show on Monday featuring Kayla May. Um, are we going to continue to do that, or are you going to be talking to somebody that's um, – that's uh, in your tummy more so. Um, well, hopefully the, the little one in my tummy doesn't like my head in the toilet all the time, like my last two kids. <laughs> um, I'm still planning on doing it. Okay, we'll just bring a bucket. Yeah, you know, if I keep going to the doctors, I might get those plastic <laughs> bags. Man. Oh, wonderful. I, 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 I am so sorry for that because I understand the, the, the type of my my sister was so sick when she was pregnant with both of her children that she discovered the crack at the base of the toilet. Oh, my God. She was there so much. And it was banana popsicles forever. That's the only banana thing she popsicles? could eat. Really? Yeah. And banana. Who knew? But uh, banana laffy taffies, bananas with my son. Yeah, wow. it's, it's like it's like I was telling Kayla, or uh, no, it was um, um, well one of one of our female guests, and uh, we were talking about uh, pain and who could take more pain, men or women. I'm convinced there is not a between the three of us, we would cry like a little girl if we had to deliver a baby. Well, could you imagine where that thing would come out? I don't want to go through that. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Ooh. Nowadays, you got to get the just cut open. Yeah. And it's not the long way either anymore. It's just straight across. The bikini cut. Yep. 
So anybody got anything else they'd like to add? Oh, you disgusting? guys. We, no. <laughs> Let me go tell my mom to stay away from electric fences. <laughs> I love that. Love and that if, you, if you don't get the reference to that joke, you're just going to have to listen to the rest of the entire show when it goes up on uh, YouTube. So um, it has to do with electric <laughs> fences and some sort of uh, water. So that's all we'll say. <laughs> It's a dedicated man, your your stepfather. Very dedicated. <laughs> All right, everybody. Anybody got anything else before we go? Have a blessed day. Have a good day, folks. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. And we'll see you next time, which will be next Wednesday at 1 o'clock for the Lunch Club. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.